Amen. Let us turn to God's holy word to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, and our reading verses 29 through 35. 30, or 29 through 35. Hear now the word of the living God. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, as we come into your holy presence, may we know that you are with us. And grant, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, we might know the sweetness of your Son, our Lord Jesus. We pray with Jacob, but unafraid, that we might know that this is an awesome place. You are an awesome God. And that we are standing in the gates of the holy sanctuary the temple of our God. And so now do come upon us with your spirit. Grant that the reading and hearing of your word might be applied to our hearts and lives. That with the psalmist we might gaze upon the beauty and the power of our God and rejoice in him. Father, bless your servant. His sufficiency is not in himself, but in you, our God. And we pray then that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our rock and our mediator. Amen. Please be seated. Earlier in chapter 34, Moses was instructed to prepare two tablets of stone and ascend the mountain. And you remember how the background for this was Exodus 32 and the golden calf incident. How there Moses came down the mount and he took the tablets of stone and smashed them on the ground. Because of the unfaithfulness, the covenant breaking of the people of God. But now, as he was in the presence of Almighty God... Yahweh, Yahweh descended upon the mount, and as he descended, 
he stood with his servant Moses and revealed his glory as he passed before him, proclaiming his covenant name. You remember how in Exodus 34, Moses cried out, Lord, show me your glory. And our God, so gracious and merciful, revealed himself to his servant. And at that time, Yahweh renewed the covenant with his people, the covenant of grace, and Moses wrote the commands of the law on the tablets. And having completed this work after 40 days and 40 nights, in the presence of God, it was time to descend the mount. And when he descended, the scripture tells us that his face shone. It shone, it was full of glory. And what we plan to meditate upon this evening is the significance of the shining face of Moses and the reason he veiled his face. And thankfully, we don't have to guess at why that was the case. Scripture tells us in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 why this happened. And we're going to see three things this evening. The first is the glory of Moses veiled, secondly, or unveiled. Secondly, the glory of Moses veiled. And third, the glory of Christ Jesus never veiled. First then, the glory of Moses veiled, unveiled. Now things are very different at the base of the mount this time. As Moses descends, the people of Israel had been humbled because of their great sin against their covenant Lord. And Yahweh's word to them that he was not going to go up with them to the promised land. But this time it's different. This time they are waiting for Moses to return to them. And as Moses descends the Mount Sinai, there is something that the people of Israel notice about their mediator. His face was shining. Twice, the scriptures tell us that Moses' face shone. It was this supernatural glow that covered him. It was obvious to all as they saw Moses descend that he had come from a different world, a different place altogether. He was Surrounded with glory. Now, why was Moses' face glowing? Well, our text tells us he was talking to God. He was in the presence of the Holy One and thus radiated God's glory. And when the people saw that his face reflected the vulgent splendor of Almighty God, their covenant Lord, they understood where he was, where he came from. And it sent then these rays of glory that reflected the glory of God. It's like the shining of the moon in relationship to the sun. So brilliant, so glorious. Now there are a couple interesting things about this. First is that Moses was up on the mountain of God. 
And when he descended, like in chapter 32, there is no record that Moses faced Sean. Isn't that interesting? Something was different this time. But second, the text tells us that Moses had no idea that his face shone. He didn't know it. Presumably, it was his brother and the elders who told him, but he had no idea. Now, did you notice the reaction of the people when they approached Moses? When he descended the mount. Verse 30 tells us that they were afraid. They were afraid to come near to him. Now, this same word, translated afraid in our text, occurs, interestingly, in the context of the giving of the law in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21, when God had proclaimed the law, the law of grace, to his people. We read here, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, And the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. You see, now they react in the same way because they are afraid of the mere reflection of God's glorious appearance through their mediator, Moses. In fact, from the text, it appears that initially they were all coming to the mount to greet Moses. But when they saw his shining face, the glory that surrounded him, they retreated because they were afraid. And that's why in verse 31... It speaks of Aaron and the leaders returning, returning to Moses. They had reason to be afraid. The last words they heard by way of Moses, their mediator, was in chapter 33, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." God told them he wasn't going up with them. He wasn't going up because they were stiff-necked people. And if God were to be in their midst, because he's a consuming fire, they would be consumed. He was distancing himself from them and removing his favor from them. Notice, but Moses notices, and this is so beautiful, he notices their disposition, and he graciously calls them to himself. 
The scriptures tell us in verse 31 that Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Isn't this the most beautiful scene? Particularly compared to the last time when Moses came down from the mountain. You see, this is what the mediator does. The mediator will not let them wander in their own ways to perish. But he calls them to himself. A wonderful, gracious illustration of the heart of our Savior. Our dear Savior, who saw the people in their need. And he draws them to himself. He knows the restlessness of his people, and he says to them, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what was it that Moses talked to them about? Well, he gave them the reassuring word that God was again with them and would be with them and would bring them into the land of promise as he promised their forefathers. He told them that Yahweh had pardoned their sins and that he would again take them as his inheritance. He told them of God's gracious covenant keeping, the covenant renewing God, Yahweh, and all his loving commands, so that they might know his covenant love and his favor and remain in his favor. He would show them the tablets, the laws written on them, and for them then to respond to the gracious overtures of their covenant Lord in obedience and faith with repentance. And Aaron and the leaders and the congregation would have understood then that these laws had come from Yahweh, their God. That God was not absent from them, but he was with them. And Moses' glowing face then authenticated to the congregation the words that he spoke and the commission that Almighty God had given to his servant. That he had come with authority from God. And so in all of this, the glory of Moses was unveiled. Secondly, the glory of Moses veiled. Because what we read in our passage is that the glory of Moses did not remain unveiled. Verse 31 tells us that after he had finished speaking with the congregation, he would put a veil over his face. He would cover himself. In fact, verse 34 and 35 tells us that there's a bit more to this activity. When Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses. 
that the skin of Moses' face was shining. They would see the glory of their mediator. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him, that is, God. Now the question is, why the veil? Why the veil? Was it to protect the people from going blind? Was it to keep the people from being afraid? Now the passage doesn't tell us. It's quiet. It's silent about the veil. But thankfully, we have some New Testament commentary on this passage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, helps us understand what's going on. The purpose of the veil, Paul says, was not, it was not to calm the fear of the Israelites. Rather, the purpose of the veil, he says in verse 12, is that Moses would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites would not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. And what was being brought to an end? What's Paul speaking of? Well, he's speaking of the radiance of the glory of Moses' shining face. Moses did not want the people of Israel to see that the glory of his face, the reflection from the glory of Yahweh, would be fading with time. And that's why every time Moses went into the presence of God, God again, his glory would be reflected on Moses' face. We might say it would be recharged every time he entered into Yahweh's presence. Now, why didn't he want Israel to see his fading glory? Because they would be tempted again to unfaithfulness and rebellion. They needed a continual reminder that what they heard from Moses, the mediator of the Old Covenant, was indeed the word of the living God himself. And the glory of his shining face was God's mark of approval on his servant. And Israel understood this. So the next question you might have is why then then didn't God always allow Moses' face to shine? Like every hour, all the time. Why would God only illuminate Moses' face when he came into his presence and then allow it to fade as he departed from God's presence. Well, the Apostle Paul answers that as well. He tells us that Moses' shining face was temporary. It came and it went in relationship to meeting with God. And as such then as a picture of the old covenant, that mosaic laws and all the rituals, the ordinances, the sacrificial worship of the Old Covenant. 
and it would come to an end, Paul says, just like Moses' shining face. As the writer of Hebrews, as we quoted this morning from chapter 8, it would become obsolete. But why was it designed to be temporary, to come one day to an end? Answer, because of the new covenant, the new covenant that would be inaugurated by a new mediator, Jesus Christ. And that brings us then to our last point. The glory of Moses unveiled, the glory of Moses failed, and now the glory of Jesus Christ never veiled. In chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 6, Paul speaks of God making him and others ministers of the new covenant. And he speaks of the new covenant as a ministry of the Holy Spirit, verse 8. As a ministry of righteousness, verse 9. And he does so in comparison to the old covenant of which he speaks. Notice the language in verse 7. As a ministry of death. Verse 9. As a ministry of condemnation. Verse 14, as the Old Covenant. Now, what's Paul's purpose in in making the comparison between the Old and the New? The The Apostle Paul wants to highlight for his hearers that the glory of the New Covenant, which in every way is better, as the writer of Hebrews says, Because it has a better mediator. Now, does that mean that the old covenant didn't have any glory to it? No. Look at Moses' face. It shone with the glory of God, just like the old covenant. But don't take his veil off. Because the reality of the old covenant would be exposed. But the new covenant, Paul says, is eternal. It never ends. It is permanent. And it far exceeds the glory of the old covenant. Verse 11. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Children, when you light a match at noontime, You don't see much difference that that match makes. But when you light a match at night, you see its worth and its glory. But you don't light a match at noon, it has no effect. And so Paul says the same, the old covenant in relationship to the new covenant. The old covenant in relationship to the new covenant has no glory. That's how exceedingly glorious the new covenant is. And the reason is because of Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. And he has come down like Moses from the mount, Paul is um, intimating to us. He has come down from the mount of God. Moses saw God's face face to face. He, or God spoke to Moses face to face. 
But our Lord Jesus Christ comes from the very bosom of the Father. The Apostle John tells us in that glorious prologue to his gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this mediator, being in the very presence of God, being God, the one who is in the bosom of God. John tells us further in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, or better, in the Father's bosom. He has made him known, the incarnate Lord of glory. And in that person, in his humanity then, as the God-man, He fulfilled all righteousness, all the obscurities of the old covenant, the types, the shadows, the bloody sacrifices are all done away with as he gave himself to be the once for all sacrifice for sin. And as the exalted Lord, he is, the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 1, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Oh, what a glorious truth that is, that our mediator far exceeds the mediator of the old covenant. And what's more, as he has ascended to heaven, he told his disciples that he would be with them now in a greater way by his Spirit. And that's why Paul in verse 17 says, And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's all glory now. Because the Spirit has been sent to the church. Now what does the glory of the new covenant mean for us? Well, actually it meant the same as it did for the people of Israel. Except, not with the clarity that we have, not with the greatness of our mediator. But it pointed to the same. And that was this, that they were to respond in faith and obedience to their covenant Lord. That as Moses came and talked with them, they were to keep the commands of God and then know his blessing and his favor as they repented of their sins and as they took hold of the grace of God found in the sacrifices pointing to Jesus. But Paul tells us that for the most part, Israel failed. They were unfaithful. Verse 15 Paul tells us that even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, which means they never got it. They didn't understand what was going on. Just like the people who accused Stephen of blasphemy. To change metaphors, Paul says the veil is actually covering their hearts. 
they're veiled. Israel's hardening heart is a solemn warning for us. That's what the Apostle Paul's intimating here. We are called to faith. We are called to respond in faith, trusting in our mediator and his word to us, trusting in the Lamb of God and his salvation. We are called to believe the word of God as Christ speaks to us through his word, by his spirit, through the preaching of the word. And you'll notice back in the Exodus narrative how Moses spoke with Israel. He talked with Israel about their God, all that their God was for them, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and how they, as God's covenanted people, could live with the holy God of Israel. How they could live faithfully. And this is what Christ Jesus does for us now in the new covenant. By revealing God, his Father, to us. As the Apostle Paul says, not only does Christ talk to us, but he's the one who reveals the Father to us. Remember in John's Gospel how Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And as Paul tells the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1.32, Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, he has become to us the wisdom of God, righteousness, sanctification, and a complete redemption. He is our salvation. That which Moses wasn't. Moses was a great mediator of the, new, of the old covenant. But Christ... He himself is our salvation. He not only points us to the way of salvation, he not only is the one who taught Israel the laws of God, the commands of God, covenanted, how God covenanted with them. But our Lord Jesus Christ is our salvation. And so, my dear friends, how blessed we are to live in the covenant, in the time of the new covenant. Because Christ has come. All the promises of the old covenant have been fulfilled in him. The type superseded by the antitype. And Christ has sent his spirit upon the church. And by reason of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, the glory of the the new covenant is far greater than Moses ever had. Now look at verse 3. Paul says, and you show, speaking of the Corinthians, the congregation there, you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Do you see how glorious the new covenant is? Moses came down with two tablets of stone written by the finger of God, the commands of God, the covenant. And now, in Christ Jesus, the better mediator of a better covenant, sends his spirit 
And he writes God's very law, his character, which the law was a transcript of on our very hearts and upon our minds. Isn't that great? That's the glory of the new covenant. So that Paul can say here in verse 12, thus we can be bold. We can be bold. We can enter into the very presence of Almighty God. Not afraid, but unafraid with boldness and with confidence because of our mediator, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so as the people of God now, we are empowered by the Spirit to live a life of faith and obedience. As Paul so wonderfully tells the Corinthians, we don't live by sight. No, we live by faith. And we live by the Spirit so that we might have lives that are lives of obedience. Lives, not, or obedience, not to obtain righteousness because Christ is our righteousness. He's the fullness of the law. But out of thanksgiving now to God for Christ and for our soul, our great salvation. And so to use the metaphor that Paul speaks of, the Spirit has removed the veil of our hearts so that we might become like our elder brother, unveiled. Verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And incredible provisions for us in the new covenant in Christ and by the Spirit. If you are a Christian this evening, you can't help but be transformed as the Spirit of Christ renovates your heart. And as he removes sin and sanctifies you for the glory of God. And so the Apostle Paul is teaching the church that we are transformed by God's glory, for God's glory, and into the image of God's glory. And the Spirit does that as we gaze upon the face of Jesus Christ. Just like in the Old Testament, David speaks in Psalm 63 of gazing upon the power and the beauty of God as he looked towards the temple, though not being there. But he saw, as he looked upon the sanctuary, he beheld the power and the glory of his God. But how much more now we, we with unveiled hearts, as we gaze upon our God in Christ, upon our Christ, who is our mediator, we or being transformed by the Spirit from one degree of glory to another. As by faith we see him, our Savior, the one who has died, resurrected, ascended, and is at the right hand of the Father. As As the Apostle Peter says, we love him though we have not seen him, but we see him by faith. And we glory in him. 
And so, my dear friends, it is through the means of the reading of the word and the preaching of the word and the sacrament that God does this. That he, through these means, has ordained for his people for, to grow in grace from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, from one week to the next week. And as we're in the presence of God, as we see the unveiled face of our Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word and the sacraments, we grow in likeness of him. And as we see him in all his glory, we see him as a God who is so gracious, so merciful, a God who is slow to anger, a God who is abounds in steadfast love so that we can say that God's steadfast love is better than life itself. We are not consumed because of his covenant favor. And as we behold him by faith through these means, as we partake of the elements as we did this morning, we then are being transformed by the Spirit of God. This is how he works. From one degree of glory to the next until one day we are fully, perfectly glorified and shall be made like him. And so, loved ones, it's a call to avail ourselves of the means of grace. For it is in this way that God does his sanctifying work among us. It's how he keeps us from sin. And when we do sin, we come back into the presence of God and God reassures us of his forgiveness. That he is a God who pardons sin. And then he recues us, he refocuses us again so that we might live for his glory. He does this so that we might become like our elder brother. And he reassures us then week after week when we have a million competing voices in this world, he comes to us and he reassures us of his holy word that Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, and the spirit who wrote this word, which bears testimony to the covenant word, that it is to be believed. This is God's eternal word, which is our life. And so praise God for our unveiled faces and the unveiled face of our mediator, Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, so that one day as we attain to the means of grace, week after week, according to God's design, and enabled by the Spirit now to keep his law, to live righteously, we might be transformed in one day to be like our glorious Savior. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord, our God, how glorious are your ways, your truths past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath ever been your counselor, who has ever given to you that they should be repaid. But of you and through you and to you be all glory and praise this night. 
For, O oh God, you use your own word, the incarnate word, the mediator of the new covenant, so that we might become like him. You renovate us so that we might again become like our Savior. Oh God, how gracious you are to us. How sweet and tender to those who have erred and erred grievously. But you have come to us through the means of grace and you show us again and again the beauty of all that Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, is for us. You reassure us in this place of the forgiveness of sins, that there is pardon with you. And you give us your spirit so that we might repent. You give us that grace of repentance so that we would not remain in our sin, but turn again to you in covenant love and declare that we love you, O God, our Savior. O Father, we thank you, Lord, for the beauty of holy worship. We thank you for this day and how you have provided for us so abundantly again in Christ. And we thank you, O Lord, that you have taken the veil away from our hearts so that we might now see the unveiled face of the one who has loved us and given himself for us, the one who we see by faith and embrace in hope. And one day we shall see with our very eyes. Oh God, we thank you for your rich provisions for us in Christ our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.